Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to In for Lift, the podcast. This is episode 231 called Ariel. And now a word from our sponsor. Attention all aspiring fertility coaches and those on their own fertility journeys. Are you ready to take charge of your dreams and create a pathway to parenthood? Introducing the Fertility Coach Academy Certification, the ultimate program designed to equip you with the skills and knowledge to become a successful fertility coach. The focus at Fertility Coach Academy is the holistic well-being of individuals and couples on their fertility journeys. They address their emotional, physical, and spiritual needs through the proven creation continuum foundation approach. They also provide comprehensive business coaching, helping you build a thriving practice and make a real impact in the lives of those struggling with fertility challenges. The Academy understands the challenges of the conception journey. That's why they also offer personalized one-to-one coaching packages with internationally renowned fertility coach, Elizabeth King. Elizabeth's mind, body, and spirit approach through the creation continuum uncovers hidden blocks, empowering you to achieve your goal of parenthood. For all of you InfertiLife listeners, here's the best part. A special 25% discount on the Fertility Coach Academy certification or one-to-one fertility coaching is available to you now. Just mention the code InfertileAF when enrolling and you'll receive this exclusive offer. Ready to turn your passion for fertility into a purpose-driven career? Visit FertilityCoachAcademy.com. You'll be empowered to make a difference while embracing the mind, body, and spirit approach. Or are you seeking personalized guidance on your own journey? Visit ElizabethKing.com. Unleash your potential and unlock the doors to parenthood. Remember guys, use code InfertileAF on both of those for your special 25% discount. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that has helped thousands of women who've experienced recurrent pregnancy loss or IVF failure. The test helps detect inflammatory conditions of the uterus that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. The most common underlying condition of a positive Receptiva DX test is endometriosis with or without symptoms. If you or someone you know has struggled with IVF, Receptiva DX may give you the answer and treatment protocols that you're looking for. Talk with your doctor about Receptiva DX because the journey is so worth it. Plus, guys, InfertileAF listeners are getting $75 off the Receptiva DX test. So all you have to do is go to ReceptivaDX.com or download the app Receptiva DX. Use code InfertileAF23 and you'll get $75 off. Thanks, Receptiva DX. Okay, guys, today I am talking to a really dynamic smart and driven woman. Her name is Ariel Bogorad, and she is Progeny's SVP of Employer Market Strategy and Services. So in 2017, Ariel was diagnosed with unexplained infertility, and after more than a year of trying IVF drugs, she was told she was a poor responder to them and would have a hard time achieving chromosomally normal embryos. How many of us can relate to that? So today she's going to tell us her entire story her whole family building journey. And she's also going to tell us about all the cool things that she's doing at Progeny, which I'm sure many of you have heard of. So without further ado, this is Ariel's infertility story. Ariel, thank you so much for doing this. It's great to meet you. Yes, likewise. It's great to meet you too, Allie. 
Yes. So I always start at the beginning with my guests and family building stories. Did you always want to be a parent and be a mom? Mm-hmm. Yes. Since I was little, I've always loved kids and wanted to be a mom. I was a mother's helper when I was 11 or 12. And then I became a babysitter shortly thereafter. In high school mock elections, I was nominated for two awards. One was most likely to succeed and the other was future mom. And then I ended up winning future mom. Get um, out. So funny. Yeah. And then when I was in undergrad, I volunteered at a university affiliated nursery school. And just basically, I've always loved kids and I've always looked forward to becoming a mom myself. Okay. I always love to ask too, what did you know about your fertility growing up? Because so many of us have found ourselves in these, you know, shitty situations, not knowing about our bodies, not even knowing about ovulation or actually what it takes to get pregnant. Like I was so clueless because my fertility education was just like, don't get pregnant. It's so easy to get pregnant. Don't get pregnant. That's right. What did you learn? Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, like I don't remember sex ed at all. I have absolutely no recollection of it if it even occurred. And like growing up, I didn't think much about my own fertility. Just the same, the same thing is like, don't get pregnant. That was the, especially before marriage, like just don't get pregnant. So then to me, that meant it's probably pretty easy if everybody's worried about, you know, getting pregnant, then it must be pretty easy to get pregnant. 100%. I felt the same way. And I remember actually asking in like health class in some one year in high school, it might've been freshman year. Like I was so clueless. I was like, can you get pregnant from like giving a blow job? Like I, like I didn't even (laughs) know the basics, which is just like so embarrassing. So it is, I know it is. And I don't even remember health class. It's so strange. Like I don't need, I can't even visualize sitting there. I certainly not a conversation about sex. So and a lot of people don't even have it, you know, you, they just uh-huh. kind of skim through it. So yeah, let's fast forward. How did you meet your husband? And you mentioned your husband and I both went to university of Illinois. Yeah. And I, I and you grew up in Michigan, right? I grew up in Michigan. He grew up in Illinois. Um, and you know, we were older when we got married, we were both the last of our close friends to get married. Um, we met on match.com mm-hmm. and then we both actually worked at the same employer um, here in Kansas City, but we didn't know one another. We probably would wouldn't have ever met like at work because our we worked and it was a big company and and we would never have crossed paths. But yeah, we met on Match.com and and kind of the rest is history. When so, do how soon after you guys got together did you start talking about family building and you know trying to have a baby? Yeah, we we started speaking about it pretty soon. Um, we met in t- like May of fifteen. And we started talking about it. I, you know, I, like we were, like I said, we were both the last of our close friends to get married. And two of my closest friends from undergrad, they had infertility struggles when they first tried to get pregnant um, when they were around 28 years old. And I was just shy of my 38th birthday when I got married. Um, And then in the back of my mind, I always wondered if I would have issues given my age, but my story actually has a professional twist as well. So I can segue there for a moment. Yeah, Um, go for it. So from 2010 to 2020, I had executive responsibilities for worldwide benefits and well-being programs um, and services at a Fortune 500 company. So what does that mean? Mm -hmm. I led a team that was responsible for determining the benefits that we offered across 25 countries around the world. And in the U.S., that included a $250 million health plan when it was at at its peak. But up in this episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. 
With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum. It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker. Everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code infertileaf at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf. Thanks, Vegamore. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Until 2017, we didn't cover fertility services. Um, we only covered the underlying diagnosis and that's it, which is not much. Mm-hmm. Um, and our associates had been asking for fertility coverage for some time, but we hadn't found the right partner. That is and up until the spring of 2016. And that's when I was first introduced to progeny mm-hmm. and my colleagues and I evaluated it. And in my role at work, I was tasked with pushing the boundaries in terms of progressive benefit design. And we looked for like-minded partners who are attempting to disrupt the status quo in healthcare. And we were all impressed with what progeny was attempting to do in this specific healthcare vertical of infertility care. Mm-hmm. And so we got the approval to move ahead with progeny and we added it as a covered benefit for the 2017 plan year. Mm-hmm. So then switching back to personal. So then I got married December 30th, 2016. Okay. Um, and then fast forward to June timeframe of 2017, you know, I wasn't yet pregnant. And my OB had told me to try for six months, kind of given my age and everything. Okay. So and you guys had been trying, but no luck so far. Yeah. Since we got married, then we, um, I remember what's kind of colossal, the whole thing. I remember telling my 
OB like, I don't want to be pregnant at my wedding, you know, like as if it could, I still, you know, even though I was like almost 38, like it's still Isn't knows, it it happened. funny when you think that you can control the narrative. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's yeah. It's comical. Yeah. So, um, I, so I went for a test at the OB, um, that in like, like an ovulation test and said I was ovulating, but then it was, it was going to be several months before I could even get in to speak with her. And that's when I remembered, Hey, what about that fertility coverage that mm-hmm. I put in place? And right. so I contacted Progeny and I went for my first appointment at a clinic in Kansas city where I live. And then we moved directly into IVF and my first egg retrieval, um, in January of 2018. And that after that, but that was after actually a procedure to have a polyp removed in the fall of 17. So, you know, you think you're going to get right, started right away. And right. Um, How did you figure out you had the polyp? They, they found, they found it when I did kind of my workup, my first workup at that first okay. REI. And so in that first egg retrieval, we retrieved six eggs and one did make it to blastocyst and was chromosomally normal. And I remember wondering, like, is retrieving six eggs a good result or not? Like I, I really had no idea at that point. Mm-hmm. And I later learned that it is recommended, like if you sh- it, that you should aim for chrom- four chromosomally normal embryos if your goal is to have two children. Mm-hmm. And I remember being pleased, like when I called Progeny, because I was now talking to them as a patient. You know, right. um, like I had my plan sponsor had, and I worked with account management, but I then now I was also a patient of Progeny. Mm-hmm. And so I called, and so you know, I and I understood it from like a plan design perspective, but then you're actually going through it, then questions pop up, and so. Um, I called them to ensure like, you know, you know, could, do I have to transfer this one embryo or, um, and they said that I didn't have to transfer that sole embryo. So we decided to move forward with another round of IVF with the hopes of, you know, obtaining a few more chromosomally normal embryos to you mm-hmm. know, increases our chances of having two children. Right. So we so- start with another stimulation and that one was different from the first. And every time I went for an ultrasound, I could tell like they weren't finding much growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and after 10 days of stimming, they said that we would cancel this cycle because mm. my estrogen didn't increase as, mm-hmm. as it should. And I was so like, disappointing. I yeah, so disappointing. I didn't even understand, like, what do you mean cancel? Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like surely we could just do more injections, you know, like raise the meds, right. and we'll get it where it needs to be. Like, right. it never had even occurred to me that, like, canceling was an option. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for me, for me, I had, you know, like most people, like these high highs and these low lows, these peaks and valleys, if you will. And like, this was my, that was like my first valley mm-hmm. in my IVF journey. Right. It's and like, you so, don't even know what you don't know. Like you're like, I didn't even realize that that was a thing that could happen because the right, first time right. it was like, went so swimmingly or, you know. Right. Exactly. Or that like six eggs in my first egg retrieval, like, oh, I later like heard of people that got like, you know, like younger people that got like 20 or 30 eggs. And I'm like, oh, so six eggs, like. And then you learn it's a numbers game and you're like, oh, ideally, like you want to aim for, you know, retrieving as many eggs because. Right. Each phase in the journey, it's just like your odds go down and down. Yeah. Well, it's a numbers, but it's also like quantity versus quality and like all that too, you know? So everybody's so different. So different. Yeah. So luckily for me, the canceled canceled cycle didn't count against my coverage with progeny. Mm. And so I was lucky I could try again. Mm -hmm. So, but this time I decided to get a second opinion from another physician locally. And he told me that I had about a 25% chance of conceiving. And that I had probably been too suppressed from the birth control. And that's why my second stim was unsuccessful. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I decided to move forward with a second physician for my third stimulation. And then this one progressed through egg retrieval. And I did obtain three blastocysts. But unfortunately, 
they were all chromosomally abnormal. Mm. How did that and feel to get those oh, results? It's so, it's so traumatizing to go yeah. through a full IVF cycle and just walk away with nothing. Yeah. I mean, and I was so lucky to have coverage. Like you can only imagine if you would pay, if you know, paid $25,000 and and they're like, and you and you have nothing to show. As you. so many people do. I almost feel like more people are not covered than are these days, unfortunately, yeah. right? It's still, that's still right. There's more and more people have coverage, but still it's not the majority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But since I had coverage, you know, we decided to keep going. So I, we started my fourth stimulation and like I was once again put on birth control a bit longer this time. And once again, my estrogen didn't increase. This was with the second doctor. And then the cycle was called off this time, luckily on day five of stims, you know, not day 10. But at that point, like I was in the depths of the valleys, valley of despair after this cancellation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, what did honestly, that look like for you, yeah, Ariel? What were the well, depths of despair? How did that? Like, I really began to question if like this was going to work for us and if I would have a biological child. That was when I had the like realization that like this just might not work. And mm-hmm. I think up until that point, I had you know, I, I guess I had heard of friends, like every, it seemed like most people had success, like, okay, go do IVF. And, you know, and it was for me at that point. And I remember talking to a friend and saying, like, I might not have a biological child. And I, and I actually, I remember a conversation with my dad, um, who, who is, who happens to be a physician, not an ARIA, REI, but I remember mm-hmm. saying to him also, you know, um, having kind of having these thoughts that it might not work out. And he, he said to me, this isn't like, orthopedics or cardiology, you know, this is like life creation. Yeah. And it is so nuanced in that way. And when you think about it like that, it's like, wow, this is um, it is amazing that it even it even works, you know. It is amazing. And it's also so interesting that there's so many different factors that come into play yes. and so many ways that it could go off the rails and so many yes. things, so many things that have to work together. And the timing has to be so right for it to work at all. I just like gave myself the chills saying that. I know, me too. I still feel, I still feel, I don't know if you know my backstory and if you don't, that's totally fine. But people listening probably do. I had one healthy embryo, Uh um, one shot of IVF for my secondary infertility and I did the transfer and it did work. And like, I did feel so lucky at the time, but now that I know what I know, I'm like, holy shit, I cannot believe that worked. And it still like blows my mind given all the, you know, the odds and the stories of people that have done this round after round and, you know, Uh, all the things. So I agree. And the fact that people get pregnant naturally is such a miracle. Uh, Right. (laughs) We call them free, we call them free babies in our fertility. Yeah. I love that. Those are like sex babies. We're like those free babies. Um, But my first baby was a free, free baby, sex baby. So it's, yeah, Yeah. it's wild. It is wild. Yeah. Um, So, okay. So I soon met this friend of a friend at this point in my journey who had traveled from Kansas city to Colorado to visit um, the Colorado Center for Reproductive Medicine. And she spoke highly of her experience there. So we decided to get a third opinion. Um, and I was keenly aware of how many smart cycles I had left at this point. Like you're, you, you know, like, sure. like this is what I have. And I wanted at that point, I was like, I want the best of the best and, you know, CCRM. And I w- went specifically to Dr. Schoolcraft. Like they had that reputation. Yep. So we did a phone consult. I went for the one day workup, you know, and I started on a new protocol and I had, at this point, it was like a peak. I had a renewed sense of optimism. Um, and actually, when I told Dr. Schoolcraft about my canceled cycles, he said that he would never put a woman over 38 on birth control. 
Mm, so interesting. I was like, yes. So I progressed much faster on this cycle. Um, and I did obtain one blastocyst, but it was also unfortunately chromosomally abnormal. Mm. Oh, so another one. So we then went into my sixth stem, which okay, ended so up. How, being my how long had this been? Period. Sorry to interrupt. Well, this like, is like now time like, frame. This is summer of, of 18 now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, and I got, I like, we started trying like after I got married and at the end of December of 16. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Like my sixth stimulation ended up being my fourth egg retrieval. It was, it turned out to be my best turnout in terms of eggs and blastocysts. I ended up with five blastos. I was ecstatic. Like at last a great harvest of eggs and a solid turnout of embryos. Yeah. And like, I felt that statistically speaking, like I should definitely get at least one to two normal embryos out of this batch. You know, I felt positive about it. Right. And then it turned out that they were all abnormal except for one that was inconclusive. Okay. Oh, so Dr. Schoolcraft suggested like that I thaw and retest the inconclusive embryo. Um, but he said at the time, given my history, he felt that it would likely be abnormal and we should think about transferring the one embryo that I did have and then move on to donor eggs if need be. Okay. And so while I waited on the PGTA retesting of my inconclusive embryo, I arranged for my normal embryo in Kansas City to be shipped to Lone Tree. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I wanted to do everything going forward at CCRM. Like I I, I was attempting to minimize any future regrets and like CCRM was my no regret strategy at that mm, point in my mm-hmm. journey. And then I also met with the donor egg team to learn more about that process. Okay. And Did so you have any egg- hesitation when it came to the notion I, of donor eggs? I mean, I was um, sure, for sure, you know, like thinking about like, you know, this is so unfair. Like I wanted a biological child and um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I was still trying to like get my arms around it, but I, at the same time, I was also like, I want a baby. Mm-hmm. And so I was pretty open to it. Um, mm-hmm. and my, and he said like the fastest way to a baby is through donor egg. And so I was, I was definitely like leaning towards that. Like I would, I was ready to kind of dive into that if mm-hmm. that was, you know, where I needed to go. Yeah. But so my embryo shipped from Kansas City to Lone Tree. And um, on the day of its arrival, I received a call from the embryology lab that my inconclusive embryo was miraculously normal. Oh, my God. Wow. Everyone was thrilled. Like, this was definitely a high peak. Like, I was in the clouds. And like, Dr. Schoolcraft was surprised, too. And he said I could transfer both of the embryos to increase my odds of achieving a singleton pregnancy. But um, I was afraid of the risk of twins. And honestly, like I was more afraid of transferring both and having my journey end there if it didn't take. And mm-hmm. by the way, I was like still the plan sponsor that put this coverage into place. And the way I was able to make my business case for my company to add it was like through through the mitigation of uh, multiples and, and NICU baby. So I had all that playing kind of in my brain as well. Oh my God, that's so complicated. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. And so we moved forward with transferring the embryo from CCRM per their recommendation. Like it, it came from their lab. So they suggested transferring that one first. And so after six rounds of stimulation and two canceled cycles and four egg retrievals from three doctors, I had two chromosomally normal embryos and I transferred on January 11th, 2019. And on Martin Luther King Day of 2019, I received the call that I was pregnant. And, oh my gosh. So um, which one was it? The one from Kansas City? Was, or the... No, it was the one which I transferred the, the one, one from that... their lab. Yeah, they Got felt, it. I think it was, it, well, they don't, you know, I had the rating from, from the lab in Kansas City, but they, like they, they kind of say it's not from our lab. So we can't, you know, con- until they defrost it, they can't kind of. Okay. So they were so, rooting for the, the new Yeah. And it was one. a yeah. good, if she was like a day five, 4 AA, like that's a really strong embryo. So 
Yeah. Um, and she was hatching like what she was, she was hatching when we transferred in. Did you and know it was a was, female? Not at that point. I asked, I had asked um, if I had like, I, I told them not to tell me if it was the same gender, but they said it was one of each. And so I didn't know which one. So I know it was a gotcha. girl or a boy. Yeah. Okay. And so Stella was born. And then we did, we ended up doing um, like the, my nurse um, called a baker, local bakery. And so we did a gender reveal with some cupcakes, my husband and I. So okay. that was fun. So how yeah. did it feel to get that call that, you know, it did indeed work after all that and that you were pregnant? Oh, I mean, it was like, I honestly felt at that point, like even after my daughter was born, like I felt like I had found my resolve, you know, at like resolve with the National Infertility Association, like, you know, finding whether you're um, you're going to be child free or you're going to go, you know, adoption or whatever your mm-hmm. journey might be that you're resolved with it. And for a time, I I felt like, OK, I found my resolve. Like I was thrilled to be this mother of my tiny miracle. Uh, but then I couldn't stop thinking about my baby in the freezer back in Colorado. And so in August of 21, I went back to CCRM for my one day workup and then back in September for the, for the frozen embryo transfer. And I got a positive pregnancy test and I was elated. Um, and I kind of thought like, uh, maybe, maybe like getting the embryos was the difficult part and somehow getting pregnant. Like that wasn't my issue. Yeah. Then going into my six week pregnancy check, I started to feel like something wasn't right. I didn't Mm. have any symptoms. And by this point in my prior pregnancy, like morning sickness had set in. Mm -hmm. And so I went and I was remote. So I went to my OB, I went for my six and a half week ultrasound and there was nothing to be found. Um, I had miscarried at some point from the beta to my six and a half week ultrasound. And I'm so sorry. Crazy how like, thank you. Um, Like everything can change in 60 seconds. Like totally. you come in and the ultrasound tech is like confirming your due date, you know, and then like 60 seconds later, like you can just tell like she's, you know, wandering around and like their, the look on their face. Yeah. Like you're no longer pregnant. Oh. Uh, and so like, and it was so hard. Like I was, I was devastated and all the big raw feelings of IVF came like barreling down on me once again. But this time it just seemed so final because I had no more embryos left. And like, I knew, like I knew how fortunate and like extremely blessed I was to have my daughter, but I was just stripped of the possibility of a family of four. And Mm -hmm. um, it just, it was all out of my control. And it just, you know, once again, like the, all the feelings of like, this is so unfair, just came back and totally. How are you and your husband doing? It was hard. I mean, it was really hard. The grief from losing that second embryo, like I'm still grieving today. Yeah. And you know, like I'm so incredibly grateful to have my daughter and I like, I know how lucky I am given my journey, but now she's three and a half and you know, she'll, she asks, she'll ask, ask me for a sibling, you know, now she wants, she's like, she says it kind of frequently, like that she would like a sister. And like, I feel like all kinds of sadness in my heart. Yeah. Um, I, that makes total sense to me. And I think that you know, grief is not linear and sometimes it just hits you when you're not expecting it. Uh, you know, you'll be just in the grocery store and you see yeah. a baby or you hear a song or something just strikes you and it's just like whoosh, washes totally. over you. So I think it's yeah. to just validate that for anybody listening that like, it's not like grief really ever ends. It just comes mm-hmm. in different forms and shapes and at different times and it's unpredictable. Yeah. I've often questioned, like, maybe I won't ever find my resolve, you know? Yeah. Um, And, and I, or maybe you just get used to the notion of like, this is, this is, you know, this is what it's going to be. 
Right. Um, yeah. So do you, have you gotten to the point it. where the, the, the door is closed or do you still have kind of possibilities of what might happen next or where, yeah, and you don't know. have to answer that if you don't want I to. I think it probably is closed. Um, like to be honest, I'm 44 mm-hmm. now. Um, and so, you know, I, like I, sometime my a girlfriend recently asked if I would consider adoption and I don't know, I think, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I think it probably is closed at this point, but, but I think there's always a bit of you that wonders like the what ifs, you know, totally. But I don't know and, if I'll take action. I don't know. Right. If I'll take action. And it's like you, whatever you say today, that might change three months uh-huh. from now or six months yeah. from now, you know, it's, and you're entitled to, to change your mind and all that stuff. So, yeah, I don't um, know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what, yeah. What... Well, let's, let's talk yeah. a little bit more about when you brought the progeny, stuff into your company, what was it about what they were doing that was so different and like groundbreaking and just like appealing as somebody that would work with them before? Cause full disclosure, you do work for progeny now and we'll get into (laughs) all that. I want to hear about your job. So you're the SVP employer market strategy. Is that your Uh title? Yeah, that's my title. All right. So we'll talk about that. But before that, just before you were even working with them or for them, what was it about what they were doing that really like struck a chord? Yeah. What was, um, so what, what we really, so we, our guiding principles and a ben- like our benefits philosophy, if you will, was we felt that if you put your emphasis on highest quality and an exemplar member experience that then you'd have improved outcomes and reduced cost over time. So we weren't some, some teams might like specifically be looking for like cost, you know, cost cutting measures or, um, what's the best, you know, how do we get the best cost? And we really pivoted and thought about highest quality and member experience. Mm-hmm. And so when we met with, um, and we thought a lot about like uh, the health economy, like in the U S like the, the main constituents of the health economy are the payer, the, the payer, which is often in a, in a, in a self-insured company is the company that's taking on the risk and paying the bills. And then mm-hmm. you have the patient and the provider. And we thought about the incentive alignment because broadly in the U.S. healthcare system, like there's perverse incentives across these three constituents. Mm-hmm. And so what we were trying to do is realign the otherwise perverse incentives in U.S. healthcare to create good consumers of health and care and good providers of health and care. Mm-hmm. And so what we found in Progeny was like Progeny set out with the goal of like, how do we obtain healthy singleton pregnancies? Like, how do we have healthy babies? And then they backed into what like what does plan design need to look like? What does a network need to look like? What does that member experience need to look like? And like mm-hmm. let's let's go from the end goal and let's back into what we need to put in place to, in order to achieve that goal. And um and they thought a lot about the incentive alignment between the docs and the and the patients and the and the payer. And so it really aligned to how we were thinking and we were trying to like disrupt healthcare. We, I was a healthcare technology company. And so um, like the mission of the company transcended into what we provided for our, our employees, our associates and their families. And so this like was it's the fact that Progeny was then also setting out to kind of disrupt healthcare in this vertical and thinking about it so similarly that it really aligned well. And so it was easy to get our, our chief medical officer on board and our um, chief people officer and so on. And, and, and ultimately I was able to make the case because health plans that don't cover fertility, you're like, you're always going to cover one people are doing it. They're still doing it. They're finding a way and they're often taking out substantial debt. And when you're taking out so much debt and you have so much riding on it, like you're not making evidence-based decisions, you're making cost-based decisions. And so then that, that might not lead to the best outcomes. And so we had 
quads born um, prior to prior to 2016, and each baby was over a million dollars. And so by putting progeny in place, we could normalize that spend. So instead of having these like, you know, outliers that were so expensive that you could put in a put in coverage, you would cut co- that you're covering right fertility. So you'll you it's expected spend year over year. It's it's normalized in your numbers and in the data that you pull. Um, so, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, you're essentially eliminating these big peaks um, and you're doing it in a really evidence-based way. So it was really neat. We added it. And then ultimately like, like hundreds of babies were born mm-hmm. that might not otherwise be here today. And right. so it was- And do you really feel cool. like having gone through it yourself, you know, now that you're on the other side and, you know, having, doing the job that you do, are you able to, you know, emphasize, you get it, right? Are you able uh-huh. to empathize with people more and like advocate for people more? Like, tell me about yeah. how that all plays in. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I started actually advocating with Resolve with the national, you know, National Fertility Association. They have something called Advocacy Day. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I started advocating at like the, at the federal level back in 2019, I was actually pregnant with Stella and I, it's so empowering to be able to speak to your, you, so you, you join with your other members of your state right. and then, um, and in 2019 we did it in person. And then subsequently it's been, it's been virtual, but you join and you, you join with other members of your state delegation and you mm-hmm. speak to your senators and your, um, congressmen and women. And it's so empowering yeah. to yeah. speak like, and to see that you can make an impact. Yeah. And, um, and also I would say that your voice matters and you can, you know, speak to your HR department, like, and it is so impactful for, you know, we're all HR teams are making, you know, pulling data and, and, uh, you know, understanding like what the market is doing and trying to put forth, you know, strategies that will change the lives of the, of the members on their health plan. Um, But to have stories and testimonials from the members that they can then weave into the the presentations to senior leadership, uh, um, it's just, it's just very, it makes a big impact. And so um, we have a stat at Progeny that 64% of, um, of the reason why employees, employers put in fertility coverage is because they heard from their employees. So like your voice absolutely matters. And I think that I, um, I saw that from both sides. I've seen it Mm -hmm. play out from both sides. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say that like to remember your voice and, and to be an advocate not only for yourself, like when you're going through the journey and to do the research and, you know, and, and come prepared to your appointments, but also to be able to, you know, take that and, and to kind of advocate on behalf of others that are. Absolutely. So if some, for someone who's listening, that isn't sure, you know, like what, where to start with that, with the advocacy piece, what would you recommend? What are like kind of some first steps? Yeah. So I would say two things. I mean, one, you can go um, to progeny.com, P-R-O-G-Y-N-Y.com. And we have um, on our website, we have a place that you can, that can give you tips in terms of going to your HR team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great place to start for if you're trying to, you know, talk to your HR department around the importance of fertility coverage and help them to understand the need. Um, that's a great place to start. And there's a toolkit. I would mm-hmm. say there's also Resolve also has, it's called Coverage at Work. Um, they have a component on the Resolve website. Mm-hmm. And so you could kind of pull both both of those and that will help you in terms of coming up with how to speak to it at work. And then um, Resolve, if you, you can go on their website to Advocacy Day, um, it happens annually. And then there's also things that, they, that come up um, throughout the year on a state level. 
and you can get involved both like the state and the federal level and resolve will, will help you um, mm-hmm. figure out how to do that. So it's that those are those are I would say the some of the tools at your fingertips. That's okay. Really easy. Yeah. And then just in terms of infertility and how difficult it is and going through IVF and going through treatment, whatever path you go down, what do you wish that you knew then that you know uh-huh. now? I learned I learned pretty early on in my fertility journey that like more often than not, it's a marathon and not a sprint. And there's a lot of like hurry up and wait. And honestly, at the beginning, I thought, okay, I'll do this cycle and then we'll transfer. And then baby should be here by X date, you know, and like you kind of think through. And then I quickly realized like that was not going to be my reality. And I also learned that, you know, we're all different and no two journeys are the same. It was surprising to me that each month your body will respond differently to a stem cycle. And it can take a few times to figure out like what cocktail of drugs your body responds best to. I learned that some people will be successful at their local clinics and others, you know, might need to seek more specialized care at clinics that are staffed to do more personalized protocols um, and have sophisticated embryology labs. Um, And I learned that it's okay to seek second opinions, like, or even third opinions, And that like doctors aren't offended. At first, I felt kind of guilty about um, like, you know, I was like I was cheating on my doctor um, to go and speak to another one. And like that is okay. And they're they're used to this. Like it is a okay. And and, like, honestly, you should because you should be armed with with the like the more information, the better. Right. And like you have like you have limited shots at this. And, you know, if you know whether you have coverage or not, like it's 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 not like you don't, no one really has infinite, infinite number of times they can try. So, you know, yeah, it's such a good point. Cause I think that people, and I was certainly like this as well, you know, you think your doctor is like, you know, the God in the situation and you can't buck back or you can't bring them other suggestions or you can't kind of, you know, not like doctor shop, but you can't get a second opinion because you're worried that you're going to offend them. So I'm, I'm really glad yeah. that you said that. Cause I do think people know now that like, they're working for you. This is your money. And and a lot right. of times if you're not covered, you know, the stakes are even higher. So sure, it's okay yeah. to do your research. And so many of the doctors that we've interviewed, you know, I've interviewed on the podcast or like that have spoken at Fertility Rally Live, for example, you know, so many of them have been like, no, we love that. Like, we're not offended at all. We want you. Sometimes you bring stuff to the table that we're like, oh yeah, that's actually a good idea. Let's try that. Yeah, so right. Absolutely. I think there's more of a atmosphere these days where that's more welcomed and it's more, you know, like relationship between the doctor and the patient. Yeah, that's, I know. I'm glad to hear that. I think it's true. It's okay to do your own research and ask questions and like you are your best advocate. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much to Ariel for sharing her story. Guys, definitely check out progeny.com if you want to hear more about smarter fertility benefits and insurance. They're doing groundbreaking stuff, really cool things, and they're super easy to talk to and they'll help answer questions and stuff too. So thank you for listening. Also, please check out Fertility Rally, my community, my family. We would love to have you guys. We're growing every single month, more members from all over the country all over the world. Actually, we're doing these awesome IRL events. We have four to five support groups a week and we have more in the works. Stay tuned on that. We really want to give you guys everything that you need. So this is a safe space. It's a place to find community. It's a place to get your questions answered. It's a place to just feel supported and empowered and loved. 
and I would love for you to check it out. So the membership opens the first week of every month. You can always ask me if you have any questions, DM me at Fertility Rally or DM me at InfraLife Stories. And again, if you have two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. So as always, thank you for listening and I'll talk to you guys next time.